were there managers that said during COVID, no, I need to see these people for coffee? Yes. Yes, there <laughs> were. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. What's up, boys and girls? It's your favorite podcast. This is your co-host, Joel Cheeseman, joined as always. Chad Sowash. And today we are happy to welcome Julia Levy. Don't call her Levy. She's head of Global TA at Comscope. Julia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be back. What's going on? We, we haven't seen you, what, it's been a year and a half plus. It was on stage at Transform in Boston. What, what have you been up to? You've, t- you've changed jobs since then. Yes, I, I left Fiserv, and in October of 2019, I joined Comscope. Got to travel the world a little bit before the world shut down, um, but I've been helping transform the TA function at Comscope. And I'm sure most of your listeners have no idea who Comscope is. Um, and we. They're probably saying she's mispronouncing Comscore. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, tell them what Comscope does. It it sounds pretty important. We're one of those brands that everybody uses, but you just have never heard about. I have an affinity for that. When I was at Fiserv, people thought I sold little blue pills um, with the pharma company. And I got your shot, by the way. That's awesome. <laughs> right? Um, so Comscope um, is communications technology. So we have the technology that enables game-changing discoveries like 5G or just the internet of things, um, gigabyte speeds. So we are just that brand. If you use Wi-Fi in a hotel, if you go to Dallas Cowboys Stadium, Ah. we're powering the technology there. Oh, there you go. Name dropping. Yep. But a lot of uh, the big sporting events, school systems, hotels, we power towns, hospital systems, like through COVID, we donated products to help have that in-building wireless connectivity Uh um, to help support some of the COVID patients. We did some pop-up Wi-Fi centers and donated products to school systems so that children had access to technology. So um, I think it's a pretty cool gig. It's about half of our employees are manufacturing uh, some of the cables that get planted in line or above ground. Um, and then half of it are the engineers and, you know, the rest of the team that make the magic happen. Hey, don't the Cowboys play an AT&T stadium? Mm-hmm. Are they a competitor? Oh, <laughs> AT&T <laughs> um, uses some of our products. So <laughs> all the big wireless companies do. And when I was interviewing and I looked at the portfolio of customers across all of our different applications and business units it's mm-hmm. you know pretty much every name brand that you can think of how we power their data centers it's pretty cool so i got okay. i've got great 5g now that uh, i've got the conscope uh, uh uh shot the pfizer shot so it's, it's <laughs> awesome yeah i appreciate yeah. that <laughs> yeah and how many employees uh, about thirty thousand employees globally. oh a startup wow. little yeah. small company holy yep. crap <laughs> Why the switch? First and foremost. Secondly, 
And what are your big priorities nowadays? This whole, I don't know, return to work thing happening. What are you guys working on? Oh, gosh. Um, We just rolled out a new EVP. Um, So we've been putting that out throughout our employer brand. Uh, Clearly, the shift to a more remote work environment through COVID and then coming out of COVID, return to office where it's safe and flexible work arrangements has been a priority. And then, of course, we're focusing on budget and media Mm -hmm. as well. So there's a lot of things. Internal mobility is on the the top of mind. Everybody's talking about that, but nobody is doing it well. It's it's almost like diversity recruiting, yes. right? It's like, oh my God, I, diversity recruiting is so important. Internal mobility is so important. But what are you doing? Well, we really don't have a great program. Mm-hmm. So what are you guys doing? So we really don't have a great program. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. No, um, jokes aside, we're, we are in the early stages. I'm going to be helping lead the charge on what we do and how we do it. And we're in the process of trying to figure out what's, what is our need analysis. So really trying to understand um, and listen to our employees to hear what they want and to also talk and listen to the leaders to understand that what they want. And then how do you balance that and come up with what would be a win-win mm-hmm. for everyone? It's, I think, a combination of project work. There's always opportunity to help develop teams and give people the ability to learn new skills or stretch their skills on projects short term. And then you have that internal job posting and how do you break some of the silos that naturally happen within an organization? Yes. Um, how do you highlight them? and then provide the feedback. An employee might say, I want to get into project management and I'm an HR person. How do I do that? Right. Or how, how, what skills do I need? And then how do we tie it into our learning? Um, we just launched a new learning platform called Thrive. How do we integrate whatever internal mobility programs we have with the content that's on Thrive so that people can get a certification or take classes uh, in different topics to help get them there and then work on projects that might be available across the organization. So I'm going to, I'm going to open up a can of worms uh, with these 30,000 employees that you mentioned. Uh, (laughs) That sounds like a work from home nightmare. That sounds like a vaccination requirement nightmare. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a coming back to work nightmare. So talk about that pandemic, what you guys did, what you're doing now. Um, thoughts on other companies and how they're approaching it? What's going on from that perspective? It's a great question. And it's definitely a big can of worms. Um, Half of our employees are in our supply chain business and manufacturing business. They need to be in work every day. Like in order for us to get our products to our customers. um, And so our supply chain team and our environmental health and safety teams have gone through some, you know, I'll say heroic efforts because I can't even imagine what they've gone through to keep our employees safe as a first priority and keep the lights on in the business operating as the second priority. And because we're a global company, I think we had some benefits of trying to get ahead of the virus as it was traveling across the globe in Mm -hmm. the sense that we have duplicated lines, right? So when China was really getting hit at first, some of those lines shut down, but we were able to 
increase operations in other regions. And so they've been playing what I think, you know, feels like a shell game of having people in the facilities working from the salaried kind of non-floor employee then you have the, you know, we're working from home and making sure that our infrastructure is set up properly for that. Uh, an example, our intern program, we pivoted very quickly at the beginning of last year as things were getting shut down and still had a really great intern program virtually. Mm-hmm. And we were able to keep that and keep the programming. So I think people have, sh- have shifted um, pretty well from that perspective. And we were able to make sure we had the systems up that our servers weren't crashing when you had more people working from home trying to get in. I mean, that would be horrible if we're keeping the world connected and our servers went down. Um, I didn't notice any issues. How many positions prior to COVID were pretty much all in office? They have to be done from here. And then now they are moving to a more of a remote, maybe hybrid versus on-site. It was probably 70-30 between people that either were remote completely or worked in an unofficial, air quote, hybrid mode. Mm -hmm. Um, It's significantly more than that and probably closer to 50-50 just because we have that manufacturing Mm -hmm. population. And we just instituted and rolled out a new Flex at Work program. And so that's really exciting that it's it's more of a formal, uh, formalized program because we, I, we know that the work that we do and the value we deliver is really independent of where it's performed. And we know that virtual collaboration can work. It's powerful. But there really is something about being together in person, having that more purposeful proximity to speak. And that it helps spark ideas and have more meaningful interactions when you actually have the ability to sit with someone across the table from them. So we're trying to figure out how to best flex to enable people to be in office safely where it makes sense and be remote when it makes sense as well. So it's not. Uh, So so we've been Mm -hmm. been talking about a lot of companies who have employees that don't like that so much. They Mm -hmm. liked working from home. Are you guys getting any pushback from employees? And if so, how are you responding? I think a little bit because it is a, it is a change, I guess a change from the last, the last bit. But I do think that it will put people at disadvantage if they live near a site and don't have, don't come into the office at all. When you think of the conversations that happen at the water cooler and the ability to network and make connections with people to get someone who's your advocate that might help you with your career advancement. Um, mm-hmm. I think things like that are important to build the relationships that uh, we're all in Zoom fatigue right now and that you know remote working might not always afford. But as a company, as an HR organization, we have to make sure that we're focused on continuing to build whatever the culture morphs into, mm-hmm. but that connection with individuals in that more remote workforce. Are you having discussions around this uh, great resignation about the, the prospect of losing great talent because uh, of, of uh, maybe prospectively having people come back on site and not giving them the opportunity to work remote? Well, I think we are giving people the opportunity to work remote, but we're trying to make it more flexible mm-hmm. so that they can be in office when it makes sense. 
But we are having conversations around the great resignation. We are starting to see some higher attrition and are having conversations with HR, our HR colleagues and our business leaders to figure out because the retention isn't necessarily a TA responsibility, but then we get saddled with the leaky bucket, right? Yes. Yes. You guys have to have some type of, you have to be a part of the conversation, right? Or no? Yes, for sure. We're probably a little late to the game in really raising it. I don't know if, I, I think some of our leaders are seeing it because I'm starting to get some emails, especially from one of our business units around, hey, here's another one that just came up and here's another one. Um, so I'm seeing probably once a week from one of the business units, um, one of their VPs, including me on some of those messaging. Uh-huh. So we definitely have some work to do in how we communicate the flex at work. And we do have remote. We've got three. We've got those that really need to be in the building, those that can be flexible one, two, three days a week, and then Mm -hmm. those that are fully remote. I think that is a benefit because when you look at a lot of other companies, I think of Wall Street right now, where they're, you know, demanding everybody be in the office five days a week. Yeah. That's not the right decision. And they're going to pay for that. I think that the flexibility that we're offering will benefit us. We need to get in front of it and communicate it. So someone hears, oh, I've got to be in the office. Um, I don't want to be in there. We can talk through some of those benefits of why it makes sense and why it's a good thing to go in depending on the job. It isn't one size fits all. Can you speak specifically what the policy is? For example, I think Apple has decided, you know, three days a week, people are going to be in on Monday and a certain day. Like, have you guys, do you guys have an official policy? Is it like per per manager? Do you have a specific policy that you can talk about? Yeah. So what um, we've put out there as this, I'll say I'm air quoting standard would be, I think a weekly schedule of some three, two to three designated in office days, and then two to three designated remote working days. But there is this, openness to each of the business and function leaders that they'll engage with their employees and determine what's most what's the most suitable option for their employees. So while we're putting out some basic guidelines, it is not that you have to be in this specific box. For example, when I started, I'm not I'm an in-office employee, but I was only going into the into a physical office maybe one day a week and not more than that. And that's not going to change. Uh, based on my role. So if your CTO says it's okay if our engineers or software developers are remote, is that something that the company would accept? Yes. Yes. Okay. So those managers, and this is another big conversation because many of these managers are old world. I, I've got to see your butt in a seat mm-hmm. eight to five. What's being done to, to be able to educate the managers and also, you know, respectively weed some of those old timey managers out because this is a new world. Yeah. And with the autonomy that most companies are going to start allowing, uh, what do you do to ensure that your managers inside your organization don't become that, that iron fist? It will be a challenge for us because we have manufacturing roots and, you know, in those facilities, people need to be there mm-hmm. and we've manufacturing roots, but then we've acquired more high-tech business. So our, our culture is a little bit of a jumble of them. I think it's going to be a lot, communicate, communicate again, 
communicate again. It's gonna, it's all around communication, basic change management principles, having those dialogues, having my team escalate when you've got a manager that's really digging in uh-huh. and making sure that we have the right escalation points, not just to me, but then I can go to that manager's manager. And I think that our more senior leaders have bought in on this. So not just having it come from HR, but also from the business, the importance to have the flexibility and not just in when people are coming into work, but even in our recruiting processes of, I need to shake someone's hand and look them in the eye in order to hire them. That's very (laughs) antiquated. Yes. And and do you have any stories of those? I mean, you don't have to name names, but I mean, were there managers that said during COVID, no, I need to see these people for coffee? Yes. Yes, there (laughs) were. There were ones that said, I need to fly this person in to X location. And we said no. And what we talked some of them into, although probably a little begrudgingly, was to do some virtual tours of some of our facilities. Although we did have candidates asking the question. You did have some applicants that said, I really want to meet someone or see someone. So you did see it on both sides. And then we just tried to come up with some creative solutions. We'll get back to the interview in a minute. But first, we have a question for Andy Katz, COO of Next. Andy, if a company wants to actually come to Next and utilize your database and target texting candidates, I mean, how does that actually work? Right. So we have the software to provide it two different ways. If an employer has their own database of opted in text messages, whether it's through their ATS, we can text on their behalf. Or we have over eight and a half million users that have opted into our text messaging at this point. So we can use our own database. We can dissect it by obviously by geography, by function, um, any which way. Some, and sometimes we'll even parse the resumes of the opted in people to target certifications. So we really can you know dive really deep if they want to hone in on, you know, just give me the best hundred candidates that I want to text message with and have a conversation back and forth with versus going and saying I need 30,000 retail people across the country. And that's more of a, you know, yes, no text messaging back and apply. For more information, go to hiring.next.com. Remember, that's next with the double X, not the triple X. Hiring.next.com. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transform, available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube. Are you seeing a lot of uh, candidates talk about remote work? Are you are you guys adding it to job descriptions more aggressively? Talk about that. Yes, we're in the process of doing all of that. Our more official Flex at Work program launched uh, two weeks ago. So we are working on the content that can be added to job descriptions and within our career site. We do already have a remote category on the career site. We have some systems updates to do 
So right now, the employee categories are, are just either you're fully remote or you're in office and there's not that flex. Mm-hmm. And so that's getting added into the system now so that we'll be able to uh, better identify and manage what's going on. But for sure, this is, especially when you go up against some of the companies that are saying, no, you have to be in five days a week, mm-hmm. uh, being able to talk about our flexibility and share those stories will be very powerful and an attraction to those that want it. How are you approaching salaries? Uh, if I'm an engineer, can I earn the same amount at, at Comscope that I would in Toledo that I would in uh, New York City? It's an evolution, but um, <laughs> uh, we still do have some salary bands that are we we hire a lot in Silicon Valley, and that's a you know very separate salary band. But um, we are trying to make sure that it's as equitable as as possible and that it really shouldn't matter. We should be paying for the work and the job and not necessarily by the location. Amen, sister. (laughs) But I'll tell you, I've lived in Atlanta. I've lived in New York City. I was not, when I first moved to New York City, the salaries were not that much more. And maybe that's an HR thing that Uh HR professionals just aren't compensated to the same amounts (laughs) of our value. But yeah. yeah, it's a brand new world, right? I mean, this is these are conversations that we really weren't having before that we are now. So we're we're we're, we're forcing the discussion. Another d- discussion I would like to force is around AI efficiencies uh, and being able to get rid of a lot of this minutia that maybe your staff or you had to deal with during this time frame. We noticed companies implementing more tech, more new age evolved tech versus their, their, their old clunky applicant tracking systems. What did you guys do or what have you done or what are you looking to do to utilize AI and, and prospectively leverage it more? I'm a big proponent of automating where it makes sense and you know, thinking a lot about the, not just the candidate experience, but recruiter experience. And I'm, I can be to blame in past lives where we did all these little add-ons and it wasn't cohesive. And I know some of it has to do with what ATS we might have and what its capabilities for integrations are. Um, and I'm always trying to be mindful, putting my old recruiter hat on, rest, you know, dusting it off, putting that mindset of as a recruiter, how many systems am I expecting them to log into? Yes. And how and and so that's always a challenge depending on what ATS you have. Or I mean, I'm always inheriting systems that are already set up. So how do I unwind maybe some not so smart or efficient decisions that past leaders have made? And so we did bring in two tools, not because of COVID, but they were ones already on my mind. And the first one being Textio and the Ah. second one um, being Seekout. Ah. And I've used um, Hiring Solved in the past as well. And we haven't integrated Seekout yet. Um, but that is on the plate for later this year or into early next year, just depending on other um, HRIS and business needs. It's been helpful in a lot of ways, but again, it is it is this dependency on um, recruiter capabilities mm-hmm. and how you get recruiters comfortable. Mm-hmm. And if I think about Seekout, for example, it's people are so comfortable with LinkedIn and LinkedIn Recruiter, and they're struggling against using a tool like Seekout. To me, 
I'm like, how do you not see the value in this? And look at what it can do. And it doesn't cost $10,000 a seat, yeah. but there's this comfort level and maybe a little bit of laziness. And, you know, I'm going to continue to do what I've always done and it's worked for me until it doesn't. What are some other uh, HR tech tools that, that you can't live without? You mentioned some of the new ones. What are some that, some that you use every day and, and love? I mean, those are the two that I love, and especially Textio. Okay. Recruiters have really drawn to them. Um, what I want to use that we haven't had the ability to purchase yet, and some of that's due to budget, is um, like a, one of the AI chat and AI features. Ah, conversational AI. Yep. Um, and and helping people apply because our application process isn't as smooth as I want it to be. Um, but to have some of that conversational AI to get at the application questions and integrate in so that it's a much faster, more seamless, and to be able to answer some of the questions of content that we already have on our career site that's there, but candidates aren't searching for. Mm-hmm. Some of our process questions, uh, benefits questions, uh, Q&A, tech support, all of those things that um, will take away some of the minutia from the recruiters, but then also give candidates a better experience. On SeekOut, when you talk about integration of SeekOut later this year, are you talking about integration so that it actually uh, searches against your applicant tracking system database? Yep. Okay. Candidate rediscovery is so critical because... Oh, you're you're brilliant. <laughs> It's uh well I know. I'm kidding. Um, it's it's so critical because why and listen, I'm an I'm a recruitment marketing and employer branding nut, right? Like uh-huh. I love all of that and I want but I want to be smart about the money that we're spending. And if we're spending all this money doing programmatic advertising and and LinkedIn and all of that, and we have this database of a million people, why aren't the recruiters going there first? And the ATS has never make it easy for you to rediscover past candidates. Mm-hmm. It's not their forte. And so that is exactly where I want to get with uh, SeekOut so that we can get at all of that talent that's in there. And maybe the recruiter never got to because they had already found the right candidate and had a good pool by the time that person applied. Yeah. Um, although we should have unposted the job, right? Um, right? To not have people in the candidate black pool. But how do we... How do we stay engaged with candidates and how do we rediscover who's already in our ATS before we send a job out to LinkedIn or, you know, programmatic? Are you currently suffering from ghosting? And if so, how are you combating it? We are. um, And we still ghost people, unfortunately. So, um, you know, she's telling the truth today. She's telling the truth. I love this. We love it. Yeah. We still do. I, I will say that the candidate black hole is is not as um, the, the time in the black hole is, is much shorter here at Comscope than it's been at other companies that I've been at. Mm-hmm. So I'm proud of that. But we can always do better. Um, and some recruiters are better than others at managing their rec loads. And some of that's on me as the leader to make sure that they have the proper rec load or support if they're feeling overwhelmed. And so I'll, I'll take that one. but. I think some of it is the how we communicate with people and with SeekOut, they have some messaging, which has similar. I call it CRM light because we don't have a, a smash fly or a symphony talent now or an avature. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to use and turn on success factors CRM. We're not there yet, but SeekOut has this candidate messaging 
So you can set up those drip campaigns. So when the recruiter can send the message, and then if they don't hear back from the person, four days later, it's sending the second message that has something different. And then however many days later, it's the next message. Um, the messaging also we're running through Textio and it's and some of it's the personalization that you need to put in there. If you're just sending out the, hey, Joel, tell me I have this job. Would you be interested or who do you know? You're going to hit delete and never look at it. But if I'm messaging you to say how impressed I am about your background and that I want to learn about your career aspirations and do it more in a networking aspect and getting to know you and sending you valuable content that might be of interest to you of, you know, hey, Jill, I just heard about XYZ company merging with this other one. Or, hey, I just I just heard this chat and cheese podcast. I think you should listen to it. You mentioned uh, employment branding and I, I couldn't let you go without sort of digging into this. Employment branding used to be sort of straightforward, right? You you looked at uh, Glassdoor, you looked at um, Indeed and other sites. And it seems to me like the game of monitoring and employment branding is really getting fractured thank, thanks to social media. Um, we talk about TikTok on the show getting into jobs. And apparently it's driven by a lot of, I guess, commentary and resume posting and people trying to get for jobs. And certainly on these social media sites, usually via video, people are spouting off about their employer, which is really challenging to sort of get your hands around. How are you guys looking at sort of employment branding going beyond Glassdoor? And, and how are you tackling that? So that's a great question. We started with listening and serving our employees, our candidates to understand our, our real EVP. So we did a, a more formal refresh of our EVP. And then when we think about employer branding, listen, like we're not, we can't be everywhere. And, and we're looking at Glassdoor reviews and responding and indeed, and then there's, you know, there's 10 other sites that have those responses and we, we can't boil the ocean. Oh, I know. And so we're trying to understand where the um, where our employees and candidates and prospects are on the web. And then we're going to just pick one or two and be really good at that and continue to listen. But I, my team is, I, it's my, I have one person on my team who's our recruitment, marketing and branding specialist. And then it's a passion of mine. So she gets probably more of my time than some other areas do because I'm so passionate about it. But we're just starting small and we can't compete with the Wendy's or McDonald's or Google's or Facebook's and some of these companies that have teams of 15 or 20 or budgets of... I was, I was telling Chad about an old colleague of mine that I caught up with and he's at a company where their budget is like $6.5 million and they do 3,000. Holy! Yep, 3,000 hires. Somebody has budget envy. I can feel yes, it. Yes, I do. <laughs> and and like a team of 20 sourcers plus all the recruiters and the recruiter bench load is like 10 to 12 recs. And part of me thinks, gosh, their process is so inefficient. I want to fix it. And then part of me has this envy of, gosh, if they're providing this white glove experience, that's, you know, rolling out the red carpet. Oh my gosh, how amazing. And could I, wow, I want to work for that company. And so um, I don't have that budget. My budget is significantly less and I'm trying to rub pennies together, you know, to create a nickel 
So I've got to pick and choose. I can't afford all true. So we have a tool Vidyard and we're creating, we're trying to do some of it homegrown uh-huh. um, and then using an external vendor to help supplement some of that. That's that's amazing. Well, in, in knowing that not everybody has that kind of budget. Not everybody's going to space, Chad. Not, not everybody can go to not space. Everybody's, not everybody's, yeah, not, not everybody's <laughs> taking the penis rocket to space. Uh, but I gotta say, Julia, I appreciate you coming on, talking about all this fun stuff. We gotta have you back on because we've got so much more to talk about. But for the listeners who don't know much about you, maybe, or, or maybe even Comscope, where would you send them to link up with you or even find out more about the company? I am on LinkedIn. So Julia Levy, not Levy on LinkedIn and um, recruiting Julia on uh, Twitter and Instagram and uh, Julia.Levy at Comscope.com. I'll give out my direct contact anytime. Look at you. Um, feel free to reach out with questions. If you're a search firm vendor, please don't try and sell me. <laughs> I Good hate when someone that. says, do you have any needs? Yes, I need my car washed. I need my laundry done. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm happy to hear from people. I'm happy to hear from anyone with questions. And, you know, I would love to be on the show anytime to talk shop. It's a passion of mine to share the trials and tribulations I go through to help others not have to go through them. And we love it. Can you bring Jerry Jones on the next show? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Chad, another one in the books, baby. We out. Thank you for listening to what's it called? A podcast. The Chad. The Cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout outs of people you don't even know. And yet you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho, pepper jack, Swiss. So many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.